Today's reading will be from page 1198 in Titus, chapter 1, verse 10 to 16. So I'll let you find that quickly. And then an important thing to note, just before we start 10, what we've learned already in Titus, how he has been appointed to... Um, he's been told to appoint godly leaders within Crete, which follows into this. For there, for there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans, are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, so that they will be sound in the faith, and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciousnesses are corrupted, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Why does uh, the church need good leaders? Uh, Maybe it seems a bit uh, of an obvious question with um, answers that you can easily think of. Uh, But maybe uh, you find that as you look at leaders uh, in different parts of the church, uh, you wonder whether, they're, uh, whether, whether we're better off without any of them. Or maybe you're just very egalitarianly minded uh, and wonder if the church would uh, be better off uh, not having any kind of hierarchy uh, at all. Or maybe uh, you don't think those kind of things, but you're just not sure uh, what uh, leaders in the church should be doing, what they should be focusing on. Do we need leaders who are good at project management uh, or finance handling money uh, or what? And well, as we've heard last week, uh, we looked at the first part of this chapter uh, from, of Paul's letter to Titus. Paul has left Titus in Crete to plant churches. Uh, and Rufus gave us uh, a really helpful summary of this letter uh, that Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. And we heard Paul uh, telling Titus to appoint elders, overseers in every town, elders who are blameless, elders who hold firm to the truth. And so the question is why? Why is that what Titus needs to do? Why is it so important for these new churches to have leaders uh, and to have leaders Uh, as we've heard described. Well, today we're going to see uh, that Paul says these kind of leaders are key to protecting the church from false teachers, that there's danger about, and that Paul's key strategy for protecting from that danger is faithful leaders. It seems that on Crete, there is this growing group of Jewish Christians who were straying from what Paul had been teaching 
have been straying, therefore, from the gospel. And it's clearly a problem that Paul thinks needs dealing with. As he instructs Titus, as he instructs the elders that he will appoint, and as he instructs us as the church as a whole, we're going to see three things about these false teachers. We're going to see that the character of these false teachers, the problem that they're causing and how to respond to it, and we're going to see just where it is that they're going wrong. So first, know their character. Paul has said in the first half of the chapter that this is why I've left you, Titus, in Crete, so that you might appoint elders. And then verse 10, he says, for there are many rebellious people mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. See, the issue is that uh, in the Cretan church or around the Cretan church, there are many rebellious people, rebellious or insubordinate or disobedient people. Not just one or two, not just a lone voice that can be uh, easily dismissed, but a whole group of people Uh, who are going contrary to the gospel. Clearly, it's something that needs addressing. But how is it that they are rebellious? Well, they're rebelling against God, against the authority of God and his word. So instead of putting the Bible uh, as God's method of speaking to us above everything else, Uh, They think that they know better. They promote their own ideas and downplay God's. Whether that's ignoring uh, parts of the Bible that they don't like uh, or adding their own teachings, they're sitting over God's word instead of under it. And so Paul says that the result of this rebelliousness is that their talk is empty that it's mere words. Whereas we've seen Paul teaches the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in verse 1. What these people say is unfruitful. It doesn't produce anything good. True teaching transforms people into godliness. False teaching produces nothing good. And maybe so far it sounds like these people would be quite easy to spot. But of course, they don't go around with a badge that says false teacher. Their talk may be empty, it may be mere words, but that's not to say it's not eloquent or persuasive. It can still draw you in. It can still deceive. Obviously, they're not going to admit that they're rebelling against God's word if they they realize that's what they're doing. They're going to be using the right kind of language language that we'd expect to hear, language that will try and convince that they are right. Now, it seems here in Crete, uh, the specific problem is with Jewish converts, uh, those of the circumcision, Paul calls them, uh, and we're going to see a bit more later on how that might influence their thinking um, in a bit. But clearly, this isn't a problem exclusive uh, to Jewish converts. Similar groups are mentioned or implied in some of Paul's other letters. Even in Corinthians that we were looking at uh, a couple of weeks ago, there are groups like this. 
There are all sorts of ways that people can rebel and deceive. So while the the particulars of the teaching uh, might be different today, I guess there's probably less talk of purification rituals and more of other things. The false teacher's character will be the same. They are people who don't sit under the word, who don't recognize the authority of God over them. People whose talk might seem great, but which really produces nothing good. Um, But you might wonder why Paul is so against these people. Can they really be that dangerous? So second, we see that uh, we need to respond to the problem of these false teachers. Have a look from verse 11. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to the Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. Much of the time, the culture around us values personal freedom over truth, doesn't it? We hear things like, Uh, It's my truth. You can't tell me otherwise. You have to let me speak. You can't silence me because it's my truth. So I wonder what your natural reaction would be to someone telling you something about their faith, uh, which you're not sure is biblical. Maybe influenced by culture, we're tempted to say that we can't tell them what they should believe. We shouldn't oppose them too much it might cause divisions. We need to hold on to, to unity, maintain unity at all costs. Well, that's not how Paul responds. Paul knows that there is real truth, the gospel, uh, and that false teachers really can be dangerous. Imagine a, a scenario for a little bit. Uh, a Jewish Christian man turns up Uh, at a Cretan church uh, for a Sunday service. He's welcomed in, of course, uh, and at the end of the service, he gets invited to the Joneses family for Sunday lunch. Uh, The food is served, and the family start to eat. But the man asks first for a cup of water to wash his hands before he will go anywhere near touching the bread. Of course, they politely oblige, Several weeks go by, he goes for more meals, and this keeps happening. And eventually their curiosity overcomes them, and they ask uh, why he does this. Don't you know you have to wash your hands to stay pure, he says. You can't be saved if you're not pure. This doesn't sound quite right to the Joneses, uh, but he does seem like a very clever man. Maybe it's worth listening to. Maybe just one of the family starts joining in at first, but then all of them do. And then over time, they stop eating with anyone who eats pork, stop doing business with Gentiles. And somewhere along the line, the subject of money comes up 
And the man says, don't give your money to the church. They're, they're not going to do the right thing. Give your tithe to me, and I'll put it to much better use. And just like that, our whole family, rather than being able to enjoy the freedom uh, to do good that salvation by grace alone brings, the whole family are constantly worried about whether they're pure, whether they're acceptable for God. That's just an example. It might happen in all sorts of different ways. But families are being disrupted, Paul says. We can't just say, let him believe what he likes. He's not doing any harm. Clearly, the fledging churches in Crete were finding that's not true, that real harm was being done. People were teaching what they shouldn't and were infecting people, family by family, with false gospels. And did you see they were doing so for their own gain and not for God's? Whether it was for money or power or influence, they only cared about what they got out of it, not what impact it has on people or what God thought. Again, compare this dishonest gain with Paul's attitude. We saw right at the start that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Our faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. How different that is to the false teacher's dishonest gain. So, what's the answer to this problem? Well, don't let it happen. Paul is clear, isn't he? They must be silenced. Rebuke them sharply. See, if truth, this transforming truth, really matters, an untruth can't be allowed to worm its way into the church. It, it needs someone with authority to speak to the false teacher, to hopefully show them where they're going wrong. But if that doesn't work, ultimately the church needs to make sure that that person doesn't have a platform to be able to teach, whether that's formally or informally, whatever setting, that they are silenced. Now, these are hard things, aren't they? And they require good leaders. Leaders of the kind that we heard about last week that Titus has been told to appoint Leaders who care about their church and want to keep it safe. Leaders who can't have any accusations against them that would weaken their arguments because they're known for doing good. Leaders who hold firmly to the word so that they know what is truth and what is untruth and can teach it well. These are the things that we should be looking for in our leaders these are things we should be encouraging to growth in for the leaders that we do have. But of course, it's not just their responsibility. Uh, we need to watch out for ourselves and those around us. That we don't get drawn in by these kind of teachings. That we remain sound in the faith. Each of us has our own part to play. These days, uh, we have access to more teaching than the Cretans could ever imagine uh, through modern technology. There's millions of hours of videos on YouTube and TikTok, <laughs> many thousands of books. 
which can be a great resource for learning more. But they can also be at a great danger when we don't know who it is who's doing the teaching. Unlike in a physical church community as, as here, when we watch a, a YouTube video, we can't immediately see uh, what the teacher is like when they're not on camera, their day-to-day life. We can't see what effect their teaching is having on those who listen to them. And we have no uh, chance of knowing if they are uh, true teachers or false. And so we need to be discerning uh, in what teaching we pay attention to. There is much that is good out there, but we do need to be aware of the danger. So, with false teachers around, we need to respond seriously to the real danger that is there. And as we do so, finally, it helps to understand where it is that these people have gone wrong. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, Paul says, so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Can you see the the key issue, uh, the key error that these people are making? So they're promoting commands that were made up by people, by them, rather than by God. Instead of holding firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, they were adding to the gospel. They were teaching, in effect, that to be saved, you must trust in Jesus and the gospel plus. You must trust in Jesus and stay pure and perform ritual ritual washing and pray in a certain way. Whatever it was, it was Jesus and. And these teachings, they're the same kind of thing that Jesus faced as he came up against the Pharisees, just with a more Christian bent to them. See, the problem is they've gone back to thinking that it's external purity that matters, what, it, what you eat and touch. And so their focus has become on rules that try and protect them from becoming unclean and trying to keep them away from anything that might uh, make them unclean. They try and keep them acceptable to God. But that, that's not the gospel. The gospel, the good news, is that once you've been cleansed by Jesus' forgiveness internally, nothing external is ever going to undo that. Nothing that you eat or touch or do is going to make any difference to your status, to your salvation. And so Paul can say that all things are pure for those who are pure. The bad news for false teachers is that the flip side of that is also true. If you don't trust in Jesus' salvation, then nothing is pure. No commands obeyed or rituals uh, done will make any difference to their status. And so the result is that uh, just like the Pharisees, 
these people's claim to know God, to be able to teach about him, uh, is proved false by their actions. All that they do, therefore, is for nothing, and it does no good. Remember, again, Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. These people's teaching isn't true, and it doesn't transform for godliness. How does this help us? Well, it helps us to spot false teaching, and it helps us to see why it is so serious. It helps us to spot false teaching by giving us some questions we can ask of any teaching that we come across. Is this teaching at God's commands, or is it teaching man's? Is it the gospel, or is it the gospel plus? Does it produce fruitful transformation in those who hear it? It helps us to spot the false teaching, and it shows us why it's so serious. If this thinking worms its way too far in to the church, to people, it takes them away from God, from the hope of eternal life, which Paul has preached. So, why did Titus need to appoint faithful elders? Why do we need to take care to keep good leaders over us? Well, there is a a real danger from false teachers, we've seen. The church needs protecting. So we should know their character, so we can watch out for them. We have to respond to their threat, not just sit by. And to do so, it helps to understand the error. And if that's all felt a little bit heavy for a Sunday evening, uh, come back to Paul's introduction and see the truth that is so worth protecting like this. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the teaching through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope of eternal life. We thank you for your word, which brings that hope to us. And we thank you for Jesus, who has made us pure by his death and resurrection. We pray that you would help us to be aware of the danger of false teaching, to take it seriously, and to watch out for each other, and with the help of our leaders, to hold firmly to the trustworthy gospel that we have been taught. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, thank you for your questions. Some really great questions here. Um, So... um, We are going to start, we've got four, so we're going to start with the top-voted one, which is, how can we balance, Tim, having confidence to rebuke people whilst also maintaining humility that we might be the ones who have misinterpreted God's word? Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, great question. Um, Yeah, obviously, humility is a uh, key thing to maintain, isn't it? Um, But I think that's why... um, all of what Paul talks about uh, is so important. 
Um, we need good leaders um, who uh, are well equipped to deal with this. Um, and, and we need to, to look for those um, characteristics. Um, it's, we're going to see false teaching um, by its fruit, um, which may, may not be immediately obvious. Um, these things can take time for the fruit to be, be shown, um, you know, years, decades even. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think um, we need to, if we're, if we're holding on to the Bible, um, yeah, we're not going to be sure we've got everything 100% right. Mm. Um, but if we're, uh, yeah, if we're holding on to the Bible and um, there is fruit being produced, um, and we see other people uh, not doing that, um, then that's where we need to um, hold firm, I guess. Yeah, really, really helpful, really helpful. And, and I guess that's why we say to everyone each Sunday is open your Bibles so that you can see that what's being taught here is what the Bible says and not what Tim or anyone else is just coming out of the top of their heads. We, we want people to have their noses in the Bible. <laughs> To, to discern for themselves as well, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Um, so what specific false teachings, teachers, rebuke people whilst also maintaining humility? Oh, no. oh. How can we... Oh, it's moved. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It does this. Okay, let's start again. What specific false teaching, teachers, should we be aware of today? Any that might surprise us or catch us out Besides stuff about sexuality, gender, etc. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I think, uh, I mean, generally it's, it's that um, adding to the gospel, or actually Caroline was saying, um, taking away from the gospel as well. Um, so I think that's sometimes we might see it quite obviously um, in other places, what's known as prosperity gospel. And um, so uh, if you're truly saved, then you're going to be blessed with money and wealth. Um, and therefore, the implication is that if you haven't got that, then you're not truly saved um, and you need something else as well as Jesus. Um, I think that's probably, it. it comes across a little bit more subtly in this country, but um, you need to be uh, a certain kind of person. You need to have certain things in order to be a real Christian or um, or, or, or all these hierarchies of Christians. Um, you, you can be a Christian, but you, you're not getting everything unless you can do certain spiritual gifts or um, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but you were, were you saying as well that it's, it's watering down of the gospel is another Yeah, so I think way. you also see it where people start saying, well, actually, as long as, you know, we have a God of love, and so therefore, you know, we don't have to worry as long as you know, he's going to love us. He's not going to punish us. Um, um, you know, he's, and actually watering down the gospel um, and saying, or saying that unity is the most important thing. Um, and actually unity triumphs truth. Um, so we've got to be together. Um, and you can't actually say, no, something is wrong or something is right. Mm. So it's sort of less than the gospel. Yeah. Um, great. Thanks, Tim. Um, so, um, oh, things are shifting around. <laughs> um, let's go for um, verse 12 and 13. 
um, where Paul talks about the Cretans um, and describes them as liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, and the testimony is true. How are we to manage national stereotypes as Paul seems to characterise an entire community in an unflattering manner? Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for asking this question. This was my, one of my questions when I first read this. Um, jumped out at me. It does seem a bit odd, doesn't it, that um, Paul um, seems to just uh, dump on these Cretans for some reason. Um, I think he's trying to prove his point um, that uh, these people are dangerous, basically. Um, and so uh, there's this um, person equals... Uh, one of their own prophets, um, so a, a well-known prophet from a few hundred, uh, a well-known person from a few hundred years ago in Crete, um, who who said this about his own people, um, and uh, Paul's going, uh, well, that seems to be proved true in these people who are um, teaching lies, um, who are going for dishonest gain, um, and you know even your own. Even your own people admit this. Um, and and I, so I think he wants to acknowledge the culture that is around the Cretan church. Um, he wants to, to point uh, to what every, everyone around knows about the culture um, and say, this is dangerous. You need to watch out. You need to um, not be a part of it, not be influenced by it, but be transformed into godliness instead. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think he's trying to um, kind of just paint a whole people with one brush. He's just acknowledging the truth of what their own people are saying. And if the false teachers are taking on that cultural mm. behaviour, then that's a big red light. Yeah. To go, yeah. hold on, these guys are behaving like the general Cretan community. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Um, thank you so much. I think um, we will stop there. Yeah. Um,